Welcome back. I am Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. I'm with the Bean Team. Welcome back for episode two with Professor Joe Calhoun from FSU. Economics professor. Economics professor. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, we have had an exciting show one. And look, we have uh, some props in our studio. We have, first of all, a book. Joe, I'll let you describe the book that you're a co-author on. You have some other famous authors as part of this book and it's a book on economics common sense economics yes yes this is what we call a primer which is meant we're just going to scratch the surface and get everybody started on some of the basics so this is three parts economics and one part personal finance at the end what everybody should know about wealth and prosperity i love it i think you should pick it up and it's uh it's easy to read yeah, it's only a few hundred pages. I think we've only got two or three graphs in there and very little data, and I don't think there's one calculation in there at all. So I love very it. easy to read. And here is, uh, I like list and bullets and numerical list, and you have one to start the book off. It's called The 12 Key Elements of Economics. Yes. Number one, incentives matter. Changes in benefits and cost will influence choices in a predictable manner. Absolutely. So this is where economics and psychology overlap, because if you want to understand why people are doing what they're doing, look at the incentives that they're responding to. If you want them to do something different, change the incentive. You'll change the behavior. Wow. You can only get that right here on Business Matters. That's right. That's a lot of juice. That's right. And we have another prop in the house. It is... Highly valued hand sanitizer. That's right. So that leads us into today. Normally we don't put the the date and the time that we're doing this recording, but we are living in different times right now. Rapidly evolving. Rapidly evolving. Today is March 17th. The time is, I don't have exactly, it's approximately 4 o'clock. It's right around 4 o'clock. So please, when you listen to this, when you watch it, Take that into account because if you're listening to it a week later or a day later or two days, things are... If you're are, listening to it two hours from now, things are probably going to be a little bit different in the world. Yeah, so so, what, so what we knew two hours ago was a lot different and what we're going to know two hours from now is going to be different. So absolutely. put it in perspective. So that is, that's good information. Joe, we've already kind of teed up what we're going to talk about. In episode one, we went through the terminology to call... The stimulus, the bailout, it's not a bailout. No, not a bailout. It's something like a stimulus. It's something of a assistance package, a recovery package to the businesses, to the people that have been yeah. severely affected by this this shutdown, this this coronavirus. It's really the uh, – you've got two parts of it. You've got the health part where people get sick yeah. and they recover. They're out of work during that time. But you have the bigger part of it is we have forced people to change their work habits, their living habits – Yes. Social distancing. Who yes. who the heck and, knew what that and was? And their economic decisions. I mean, you yeah. know, as an accountant, as an economist, we're going to think about what are the economic decisions that are much different today. And some of those decisions are just being voided. You know, we can't do certain things. We can't go certain places. I, I couldn't get on a plane and fly to Europe right now, even if I wanted to. So some decisions are made for me. Others I'm being encouraged to make. And others I'm just doing because I think that's out of my own self-interest. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of industries that have been – the government has stepped in and forced them to change how they operate. Yes. Bars and nightclubs in the state of Florida have now – the governor of Santos today earlier issued they're, they're to be closed today at 5 o'clock. Yeah. Um, restaurants, 
have been strongly encouraged to go to dine out only or to reduce the capacity, the seating capacity. Yes. So that may change tomorrow. That may change tonight where restaurants are are forced to, to go to that policy. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of other restaurants. They've they've made the decision to do drive-in, take-out, no-dine-in policy. Yes. Yeah. So I think this is all a reaction. Uh, who knows if we're over or underreacting? I think only history will pr- will prove that. That's right. That's right. And we, we do actually have some precedent. And I, I was reading an article online from an Italian journalist who basically was almost begging America to not do what they did. So as, as we look at what Italy's going through right now, many people in Italy will say, we didn't do enough early enough to stop this from spreading. And now Italy's at the epicenter of this whole breakout. And as we look around the world to countries who are just a few days or maybe a week ahead of us in terms of this outbreak, we can see what some of them did well to minimize the outbreak and what others didn't do so well. So I don't think we can really overreact here. I think being more cautious is a good thing versus being less cautious. Right. Being, we, we don't want to look back and say, well, we could have, should have done better. Exactly. Let's do better now, and hopefully this thing will be over faster. And it's, it's surprising to say this, but they look at South Korea as the country that really closed it down quickly, and they did testing immediately of people coming yeah. in and going out of their borders, and they're – their effect has been that they've not had a, an, an overwhelming effect of right, people getting right. the virus. Relatively speaking, they've had a minimal effect. Yeah, so that's um, that's good. Well, Joe, we've kind of teed up the show, and we're going to talk about where we left the other show was we, we're, we're talking about the timetable to recover. Yeah. So I think we'd start right into that. So let's um, let's kind of get things kicked off. Before we do that, just a reminder to those that are – that are watching, that are listening. This is the pre-roll. You can go check out our, our previous shows on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio. We're on YouTube also. Uh, look for Bean Team. Look for Business Matters. We're out there. Uh, we got some great shows out there. And and since you're listening to show number two with with Professor Joe Calhoun, check out number one also. It's got a lot of information that leads into this. So check it out and like it, subscribe to it. And come back for the for the future shows. There's there's a, a promise to have more exciting shows, more nuggets of knowledge out there for you to, to I'm, learn from. I'm happy to come back anytime you'll have me. Awesome. So with that being said, John, why don't you play us a little music and we'll do the recording for the radio show. Welcome to the Business Matters Talk Show with Charles Musgrove. On Business Matters, we discuss the issues that matter to your business. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and BeanTeam.com. And now here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining in again. I am Charles Musgrove, your host of Business Matters. I'm with the Bean Team. We do accounting. And we've got in the house today a professor of economics from Florida State University, Joe Calhoun. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Great to be here. You know, Joe, I said this in the early, in the previous show that when you get an economist and an accountant in the same room, you're, you're probably going to have a very boring conversation. That's usually a yawner. Yeah. It's a yawner, but those two people, are they're probably not going to think it's a yawner. They're going to enjoy the conversation. I hope so. So, But today... We've got some extra spice that we're bringing to the conversation because thank you, coronavirus, 
we've had this is our second show that we're doing on this with with the professor and we just couldn't get it all packed into one so i guess this is a silver lining for the coronavirus so we're back for show number two and we've got a lot of spice to talk about because this has uh this virus has added a lot of economic impact a lot of decisions that are being made a lot of decisions will be made is changing the economy as we knew it before yeah absolutely so when i talked to before the virus when i would speak to college freshmen about what we call fiscal policy government spending and taxation and monetary policy what the federal reserve does with the money supply and interest rates i'd get a bunch of yawns oh you know what things have been quiet hasn't been a whole lot of activity why do i need to care about this well now you're hearing about this every minute of every day either the the federal reserve is doing something or the federal government's doing something and now okay what is that how is this going to impact the economy how is it going to help us recover how is this going to affect my stock portfolio so people are much more receptive to this to these ideas now than they were just two weeks ago yeah and i think that um help me out with this because normally we as conservatives would want government out of our life but the gov- the federal government has certain things that we look to them to provide security is one protection is one protection of private property and you and i and our personal beings are the most important personal property that we have so we have uh, what's going on today is what we would call an externality if you want to use a big fancy word we could use a, a spillover effect a neighborhood effect now what you do is greatly impacting me normally i don't care what you do you you go do your your business and i don't really care what you do maybe i make fun of you but other than that you're not impacting me well now with this virus your actions are having a huge impact on me worst case scenario they may cost me my life right so now government has to get more involved and i think every citizen in the country is asking for more government involvement because now the fundamental thing that kind of that uh, the government's supposed to do is protect property rights that's at a high risk right now very good point i think that is uh so we're looking to to government to help us to protect us so it's unlike what i've ever seen in my life so oh I'm, i've never seen anything like this either so this is these are it's probably an overused term, but these are unprecedented times that we're living through right now. And, you know, this is, uh, if you look at a, at a flashpoint, if you go back, we've talked about this, the, the jobs numbers, the jobs report came out the first Friday in March. Yes. So they reported on February's February numbers. Data. Yeah. So unemployment down. Yes. Jobs up. Up. And they adjusted the january numbers in a favorable direction yes, also yes they readjusted to an upward number as well so we were singing hallelujahs on that friday morning when the jobs report came out we were all excited stock market reacted in a very positive way it looked like we were in for some great times right so less than a week later we're we started to we started fall the meltdown down. yeah yeah. So I then mean, we had just how fast this whole thing is evolving. It's a, it evolves by the hour. We had the over the I I forget what weekend it was, but the Fed cut the rate over the weekend to near zero. Was it? Yeah, that it was about Sunday? a week and a half ago. So that was yeah. over a week ago. Yeah. So this past weekend we have more stimulus. Yeah, sun, or, Sunday night the Fed lowered interest rates again. So yeah. it was their second time. So it was roughly a week and a half, two weeks ago when they when they announced their first cut. And then um, just two days ago, they announced their other cut. And now 
they're down to near zero. Right. I mean, there's not a whole lot more that they can do in terms of interest rates. They've got some other tools that they can use, but in terms of interest rate, you can't go below zero. Was that, uh, I've heard people talk about that, when the when they cut the rate so fast and so dramatic, was that really kind of a warning sign that, hey, this thing may be worse than, than people realize? Yes, because it was done in a very abnormal way, abnormal in this sense. Normally, the Fed makes its policy decisions through the Federal Open Market Committee. That committee meets roughly every six weeks. And when they do, Tuesday afternoon, they have their report that is made public. And what was interesting about these most recent two notifications is the first uh, uh, half point reduction was made just a few days before the Open Market Committee was scheduled to have their press report. So they, they kind of jumped the gun in terms of their normal uh, schedule of activities. And then this most recent one was announced on Sunday night before the markets opened on Monday. And normally you don't see the Fed making kinds of decisions like this over a weekend while the markets are, are not open. They right. usually wait until a Monday or a Tuesday when business and the stock market is open. And so it's very abnormal in just the timing part of it, not abnormal in the sense that they shouldn't have been doing what they were doing. It's just uh, unusual timing uh, according to their history. Right. So maybe that was, in hindsight, maybe that was uh, that was an indication that, man, things are they're very Yeah, abnormal. usually, I mean, you know, we see this in our personal lives, right? I mean, if, if you're dealing with your friend and your friend all of a sudden starts doing something that he's never done before, that's usually a sign that something pretty dramatic is going on. And some people have already criticized the Fed by making these announcements at very unusual times. You know, why Sunday night? Why don't you wait until the market opens and then while business activity is going on, make the announcement? Maybe some people will criticize and say, maybe you made things a little worse by announcing on a Sunday night or over a weekend. Other people said, no, that was the appropriate thing to do. Let's let's get it out there before the markets open so that the markets can adjust more quickly to it. So, um, you know, there's just two sides of, of that debate. I'm not going to sit on one side or the other and just kind of throw some food for thought out there. Yeah, that's that's a good, good thing to think about. And the uh, whether the whatever the outcome of this virus and the duration there's there's been a the actual virus the actual impact of that and then you have the hysteria of it yes so that's almost fueled the the economic impact of it it's so so it seems it probably has no effect on the the actual health effect but it certainly has the, right, the economic right. impact. yeah i mean it, it's been actually somewhat comical in in you know if you, you uh, excuse me for using that term because this virus is nothing but comical, but comical in the sense of seeing how some people have reacted to buying certain things that don't seem to have any relationship to the virus. I mean, I still don't know why all the stores are out of toilet paper. I mean, I just don't get that one. So to me, that's a little comical. Other things, it makes perfect sense. You want to stock up on some basic supplies. But when you go to the store and you see what's there and what's not there, sometimes there's a few head scratchers about why was there a run on that particular item that didn't really seem to have any relationship here but uh it, it is interesting to watch the the human reaction yeah. and sometimes we're just reacting in, in in a very unusual way but these are unusual times and you know there's no recipe for how we're supposed to react when we have this kind of virus that is true so let's talk about the recovery so let's let's make the assumption that we've 
we're through the virus. We've got our we've got that wrestled down. We have a, a control over that, so we know we've got the the curve flattened. We we're on the yeah. backside of it. Like some of the other countries now, they're coming out of it, so yeah. they they see the the incident rate drop. To yeah, the, the cases in China are actually coming down. Right, so that that's all. They good. seem to be on on the downside of their curve. So we look forward to being on the downside of the curve. We still know we're on the front side of that. Yes, and th- this becomes a, a numbers thing. So you'll you'll like this. The as the denominator increases, the death rate decreases. Yeah. So we've got we're going to go through a spike up as they tell us yeah. as they test more people as as this thing kind of goes through the natural evolution. Yeah. But that rate is going to, not the incident rate, but the death rate is going to drop, and right. it's going to get back to something that is more right. normalized, I would say. Yeah. Not the death rate is, you want a good death rate, but something that's more in line with what's expected. Historical patterns, right. yeah. So let's assume we're we're on that edge. So what happens to the to the economy? What are we looking at for the recovery on that? Pent-up spending versus just lost opportunity or there's fewer businesses in an industry that that are there to 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 go through the recovery process yeah and i think you're going to see a mixture you're going to see some businesses that are able to bounce back uh okay they go on uh, a, a reduced workforce they go on uh reduced production and maybe let's just make up a number let's suppose they go to 25 percent capacity so they just slow things down for a while but they're able to scrape by because when when your business slows down, also your costs, many right. of your costs, not all of them, but many of your costs are going to go down. So some of these businesses are, they're going to take a temporary hit, but they're going to be able to weather the storm. And when the curve flattens and people have their normal activities and their normal spending resumed, those businesses are going to be able to bounce back fairly quickly. Then you've got other businesses who aren't going to be able to do that. So let's think about some of the businesses who thrive on spring breakers. So let's think about, you know, some of the tourism industries over in the panhandle. This week, FSU was on spring break. So for last week, this week, and the next two weeks, generally the big spring break weeks, right? People from all over the country would have been going down there. Well, when the virus passes, that spring break is gone. Right. They're they'll, not going to get that back. Those, those kids are going to go back to school. They're going to resume their lives, and they're going to be like, yeah, we were going to go to Florida in 2020, but we're not now. And and that money's just never going to come back. Unfortunately, some of those businesses just aren't going to be able to survive. So we talk about Black Friday uh, at Thanksgiving. That's where some businesses just make their money for the whole year. Right. Well, for some businesses, especially here in Florida, with such a heavy emphasis on tourism, their Black Friday, so to speak, was the few weeks of spring break. And now that's just nearly evaporated. Yeah. I've got friends and and clients that are in that business and that are over in that area, and that's what they're facing. I mean, they're looking at, okay, if we're forced to shut down or if people just, they're scared, they're frightened, they don't want to go out to restaurants because that's what what we're hearing in the media. Yeah. And, you know, that may be true. The social the social distancing that that may be the thing that happens, but the consequence of that we have businesses that they just can't survive. It could be devastating. Yeah, could so, be devastating. And and they are that's their time of year is between spring break now and through July fourth. Yeah, it used to go longer than that, but since you have the early people go back to school earlier, they lose that last part of the summer. So yeah, if they don't make it their money in that time period, like the Black Friday, then 
that's yeah. what they save up yeah. their money They're for done. for the rest of yeah. the year. So that's how they get through their f- entire fiscal year. Right. So, so now tough. the question is, what's the appropriate response? Do we just have some tough love and say, okay, we, we had this shock, this virus come through, and I'm very sorry that it put you out of business, but you know what? That's just life. That that's the risk you take of being in business. That you you have a variety of shocks that can knock you out. If your margin is small and you're kind of teetering on the edge, it's a viable business, but you just don't have a big reserve, a big cushion. Or do you say, you know what? Yes, let's do something so that you aren't pushed out of business permanently. Let's let's give you a grant. Let's give you a loan. You know, and what is the response? And I don't think there's any necessarily right or wrong answer. But as a society, as a government, we can answer those questions. What do we think we should do? And I don't think the uh, that's that's one question that's not answered, and a lot of those answers will be individual. But I don't think yeah. the government the process that they're going to push this money out into the economy is not known yet either. I mean, this is like no, fresh no, they, off they're the press. making stuff up. So I mean, in in this regard, it's very much like the recession of two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, where the Federal Reserve Bank and many people in the federal government said we had never seen anything like this before. We're just going to make some stuff up, and we hope it works. And I think we're going to have a similar response. Now, we do have some historical precedents about what worked and what didn't work in the last 10 to 12 years. But again, this, this is different. And I think some people will readily admit we're going to make some stuff up and some of it's going to work well and some of it's not. And we're just going to hope for the best. But it, there's there's no good predictor here because we haven't seen anything like this. Yeah, there, there's not. And that's the sad part of it. But we we want to be doing something and i will give the administration credit for that they are they're not just sitting idly by they're yeah. they're they're putting money into the economy they're trying to take care of yeah people. it's going to be easy to criticize because uh, this is all new and and i think we need to just tamp down our criticism a little bit and just realize that we are in uncharted territory here there isn't a playbook there isn't a prescription for when a virus shuts down part of the country you know there's no rule book for that one right. so we are going to make some stuff up and i'm sure some things are not going to go quite the way we planned or it's not going to be implemented in the timing that we think it ought to and we're just going to have to live with some of those mistakes so i, I think we all need to just be a little bit more patient now not super patient because right. we do need some action right but I think we we need to be careful to criticize too much because just like in 2008, we're we're seeing some stuff we've never seen before. Right. One thing about it is we will be writing the playbook. So I think with with this experience, we're going to know better how to prepare for and deal with it in the future. If, yeah. if something like this happens, and it may or may not happen exactly like this, it may not be a virus, but something will happen in the future. I think that's probably something yeah. we can bank on. Absolutely. So the we talked about the the time period for recovery is that something that we're looking at for is it 12 months after we get back to the health issue taken care of yeah it's it's going to be really at this point it's impossible to predict and and now part of it is because we are such a large dynamic economy we're the largest economy in the world roughly 23 trillion dollars in annual gross domestic product and a good bit of that happens here at home, but also a large part of that comes from overseas. We export and import a great deal. 
So how other countries respond and how quickly they recover is going to dictate how we recover as well. And what you're seeing in Italy and Spain right now and very quickly spreading to the rest of the European Union, let's suppose that we were able to flatten our curve and and get rid of this virus in our country in the next two weeks. Hooray for us. But let's suppose the rest of the world isn't able to do that. Well, we export roughly 15% of that $23 trillion overseas. Well, if they're not buying it, okay, that's going to slow us down. Even though we're ready to go saying, we got stuff to sell to you. They're like, "Uh, sorry, we're all sick here. We're not buying your stuff. So the fact that we're such an international economy. It's all integrated. It's all integrated. Just, Plus the supply you know, chain. The supply chain, we get a lot of our resources. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll design something here. It's physically put together in another country, and then it comes back, and it's sold here. Well, okay, we can design it, but it's not going to be sold in if nobody else can put it together. Right. So we got an internationally integrated economy, and a lot of our success is dependent upon the health of the rest of the world. So even if we were able to get healthy tomorrow, the rest of the world needs to get healthy at the same time in order for us to get back to normal quickly. The longer they take, the longer we're going to take. Interesting. Yeah, you never, you don't think about that really that, okay, once we recover physically, then we're on the economic recovery path. Yes. But yes. that we have to play with the other partners in the global economy. That's right. So, and that's both on a, they're buying from us and we're buying from them. That's right. Because we, we've experienced, since China went through it first, on the supply side of that, we kind of felt the, the, the effect of that or the shock of that initially yeah. before we really attacked the health problem right? or tried to control the health issue. Yeah. Interesting. What do you see as we're dealing with this right now, and a lot of this, a lot of this is unknown, but do we see this having a fallout effect on the housing prices? I think it's too early to tell. Now, it's certainly going to have an impact because any realtor will tell you that the spring and early summer is their peak season. More homes are bought and sold during that time period. Well, if our country's on lockdown or near lockdown, nobody's looking for a house. For most people, that's something that you can put off for a few months. Especially if you're now you're, if your job is at risk. I mean, right. A lot of people move because they're taking a new job. Well, if the job goes away, there's no reason for you to move. So housing can be put off. Now, that might be something that could bounce back pretty quickly. So, yes, I had planned to buy a new home in March. I'm on lockdown. Can't do that. Fine. I can pick that transaction back up, and maybe I close in June or July now. Okay. That maybe could bounce back pretty quickly. Especially after, let's say, they're temporarily out of work. Yeah, they get their job back, or they're get working. Get their job again, back, get their paycheck back, churn. And, and then things can pick up. Right. So, uh, in terms of you know maybe another housing bubble collapsing, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, certainly, all industries are are going to have a downturn. You're not going to have as many sold, uh, houses sold in March as you normally would right. have since we're dealing with this virus. Um, but I don't expect any long lasting impact on the housing market. So the. <clears throat> You had mentioned the psychology of, of some of this economics. So help us with the psychology of the numbers are going to be bad. That When we start to see the, the jobs numbers come in again, when we see the 
economic results, when we hear the R word thrown around as we're going into a recession, right. that's going to have a psychological impact to us. Oh, yeah, because expectations form a lot of our decision making. I mean, just from simple things about, hey, next week I anticipate that item is going to go on sale. So what do you do? You don't buy this week at regular price. You wait until next week. So expectations form uh, a, a huge part of our economic decision-making on a daily basis. So now when you start to get this kind of herd mentality, when you start to get a large group of people who have a lot of pessimism, who expect negative things or lasting negative things, that psyche enters into a, a whole new dimension as opposed to just me over here in the corner, hey, I don't think things are all that great. You have a whole lot of people start thinking negatively that's going to have an impact. That, that's going to be a bit of a downward spiral. And it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. How long can the American people hold on to optimism? And when does pessimism really set in and then start to have that economic impact? And yeah. it's too early to tell that right now, but that's certain, certainly something you need to be concerned about going forward is if everybody expects this to linger for six months and have all these negative consequences – Okay, that's much different than, hey, we're going to be back to normal in three weeks, and, and I've got a lot of optimism here. Right. My spending habits are going to be much different under those two scenarios. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the right answer is let's get the worst out there first, and if we think it's going to be five months or six months, then let's get that out there. If we can achieve it and overcome it faster, then we're even in a better, better spot. Yeah. We don't want it to get worse. We right. want things to improve on the, on the recovery timetable. Yeah. And I think that is uh, – it's good to know that the overall this will not have an impact on the housing prices because we don't want to see another housing bubble where that, where, where that then collapses on top of everything else. Right, yeah. Because that is – that's an asset that people have. That's one of their biggest assets most individuals have is their, their house and their – and then you have the, the whole financial crisis can be tied up on that too because a lot of that's – yeah. backed by their mortgage and if value and then it has there. huge implications on the labor market as well i mean if i can't move because i can't sell my house that means i don't take this other job so uh, the, the housing crisis was was really bad because it impacted so many other decisions this virus i think is going to be a little bit different because okay when i get healthy again or even if i wasn't sick once i can resume my normal activities okay, I still have a job, and chances are a lot of these jobs will come back. So let's just think about the, the local restaurant that had to lay off three cashiers because business is taking a downturn. Okay, well, those presumably were pretty good employees to begin with, and when business picks back up, who's going to be the first person called back? They're going to get rehired. They're probably going to get rehired. Now, there'll be a little bit of shuffling around, but a lot of those people will get back. So the good news is... I think a good bit of this unemployment will be temporary. But as we talked about earlier, some businesses are just going to shut down because they can't make it through this, this right. storm. Okay, so those jobs obviously aren't coming back. But, but I think a good number of the jobs will. And only time is going to be able to tell how quickly those we're just going to be able to snap back into regular habits and those jobs come back. Or are, is it going to take a major reshuffling? What we saw after the housing crisis was a major reshuffling. Resources had to be moved around in pretty dramatic ways because the housing market collapsed and it didn't bounce back. This, we can keep our fingers crossed that if it bounces back pretty quickly, 
then the adjustment period will happen faster and we'll all get our old jobs back. We'll all resume a close to level of spending than before the virus hit. Yeah, we have to remember that before this hit, the economy was strong. Was doing very well. All the underlying fundamentals that we call them. You know, you talk about uh, consumer expectations. You talk about the unemployment being very low. Growth was was uh, strong. All the underlying fundamentals were right there. And we were set up to do great things for several more months. And this is what we call a shock. This is clearly a shock. It's going to throw us all off for a while. The only question is, how bad is it? And how long is it? So and it's pretty bad. It the only question bad. is, how quickly can we flatten the curve, get the health recovered, and then get our economics back to where they were? I think some of the takeaways from that is don't be pessimistic. Be as optimistic as possible. Be be realistic as well. So yeah. look at what you've got to face. Deal with it in a realistic manner. Don't overly hype the, the negative part of it but figure out a way to overcome that, to deal with it while we're all struggling through this process. Yeah, and this is what I'm telling my students. Let's act not out of fear, but let's act out of love and respect for our fellow humans so we can flatten the curve. Let's let's try to be as positive as possible, even if we're on lockdown. You know what? Try to think of some some positive things, some productive things that you can do instead of just binge-watching your favorite show on Netflix. Let's let's try and, and be productive in your personal life. But most importantly, let's have a positive attitude. We're, we're in this together. It's a great time for humanity to come together, rise above our individual self-interest, and do something for the greater good. And if we can hold on to those thoughts, the, the rebound will happen much better than it would otherwise. I agree totally. And remember, God is in control, so it's uh, he's going to take care of us, so yep. we just have to trust in yep. that. As the old the- song goes, the sun will come out tomorrow. That's right. right? <laughs> it's going to rise in the east and set in the west, so... Well, you mentioned disco ball. Now it's uh, singing. You're not going to break into a song, are you? No, right? no, no. I'd, I'd, I'd leave the singing to my wife and kids. All right. Well, good. The Man, I hear the music playing. So this is uh, we've, we've provided a lot of information here, and we are, again, for those that are listening to the show, that are watching the show, this is March 17th around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So things will, will definitely look differently. They, they will look differently probably by 6 o'clock or by the time I get back to the office i'll find out something new hopefully this show is still relevant that we are on point and let's hope that by the time you watch this or listen to it that we're on the back end of the health recovery and the economy is running along strong that's hope keep our fingers crossed so we're going to keep our fingers crossed we're going to treat others with respect we're going to be optimistic we're going to be real realistic about the recovery of both the health process and the economy Yes, we are. And Joe, you're going to come back for another show. I'd love to. Thanks. Because guess what? We have common sense economics to to discuss in future shows. And we're going to get an update on the coronavirus, the economy, once we know more about the recovery plan, yep. how the money's going out into the economy. Let's let's have you back and talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's, let's see how this is going to play out. It'll right. be fun to get the data and talk about real numbers. Right now, we're just talking speculation. Yeah. Let's look at the numbers as they play out over the next few weeks. That's it. That's a deal. That's a date. Enjoy spring break. Enjoy teaching those kids online online in a virtual setting. So 
more of this just like you're doing youtube you're going to have the all the students watching online yep, so i'll be online from joe now on. professor joe economics professor from florida state university he's going to be a movie star teaching the world economy that's right economics all right you have been listening to business matters i am your host charles musgrove thank you so much for watching listening come back next week have a great day have a blessed week peace the business matters talk show with charles musgrove is sponsored by the bean team for all your business accounting and tax preparation needs visit beanteam.com or call 893-7710 you can listen to more episodes of business matters on apple podcast youtube or visit beanteam.com